With me, Martin Saunders, here in Rygate, and through Zoom now. We've decided it's definitely going to be Zoom in Preston. It's me, Rachel Gardner. And I, have, I am wearing the most enormous headphones because I was scrabbling around Martin thinking, he's going to send me the link any minute now. And I, honestly, people, when Martin Saunders sends you a link to Zoom, you, you don't, you don't you know, carry on what you're doing. You drop everything and you click it. And I couldn't find the headphones. I'm wearing the world's most enormous, like two enormous tins on my ears. I cannot hear myself. I've just seen them. I've just seen them. And they do they do look like like if if someone made a sci-fi movie in like the nineteen seventies, maybe, but not like a high budget one. Like a low if you can imagine a low budget yeah. Yeah. um uh, sci-fi movie, that is like the headphones of the future. Except not. It's it's crazy. I remember once as a teenager, do you remember this? Do you have lots of stories of your parents embarrassing you? I have so many because I was easily embarrassed. And I remember the first time that my mum and dad and my brother and I went on a plane. I think I was 14 and uh, the, the, the plane seats were, so we, me and my brother were one side of the aisle and my mum and dad, another side of the aisle further up, my mum on the inside bit. And um, it, was in, it was in the good old days. So it's the days where you had headphones on the aeroplane and they were they had a, a wire connected to the seat in front of me so you could watch the film and my mum put these headphones on but rather than wearing the headphones so that the cable came out of the bottom she put the headphones on <laughs> so that the cable came out the top and proceeded to spend the entire trip with this cable like coming out the top of her head and I just like I remember just that in itself was enough to completely crush me and mortify me and ruin my whole holiday. So I'm sure that somewhere in this house there is a teenager who's living with us or my child who is feeling very embarrassed right now about the size of my my ears, my cans. But anyway. Why why weren't you sitting together on the plane? Why did you all have seats in different bits of the plane? No, no idea. And it could be that we did sit close, but in my traumatic memory, I've kind of remembered it that we haven't. I'm far from her. But I, yeah, maybe we've wow. got two seats there and two seats there. <laughs> maybe you didn't. Maybe in your head, you have literally moved yourself right to the back of the plane, <laughs> right the plane. to get away from your I mean, embarrassing mother. Days... <laughs> I mean, those are the days where you were allowed to leave your housing estate and go places. I mean, those days were so long ago, don't they? So long ago. They will come back again. And I would love to be embarrassed in public in the future, out and about. Love it. Love you do it. that. You do that to people frequently. When I'm out with you in public, you you seem to turn that into an art form, Rachel. You constantly yeah, yeah. see what you do is you grab strangers on the street. I know we <laughs> talked about this on the podcast before, but it really has to be seen to believe. You have to go out on a little walk around a town centre with Rachel just to have the full 3D visceral experience of being embarrassed um, as a British person. I don't know if you really are British. Uh, Rachel, if it's, you're repressing something else, but um, but you you um, you 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 do love to just grab people in the street, don't you? I do, I do. I'm very, I am very wise with it. There are certain people in certain places I won't go and I won't grab people. But actually, on the whole, I do find that if you are the one that is being the assertive voice in a mix, it's amazing actually how um 
how that can really help change an atmosphere. We, we do a lot still at the moment just um, with our food bank, just, just wandering around the high street on our own independently, just keeping an eye on where the homeless are sleeping. And it is interesting actually walking down a city centre thinking the only people here are the odd you know, person you know, going to get some food, or it is our homeless community, and just how the streets of some, some streets, some areas are heaving, aren't they? Everyone's doing their walk in the same place, but then there are other areas that are eerily quiet and it's only a certain community that's left. So it is interesting walking around thinking, hmm, this is a this is a new dynamic. I need to stay safe, but also just keep an eye on, you know, what's happening, who these people are and are they being fed. So it's, it's of course, I'm not I, grabbing anyone at the moment. I'm definitely I mean, staying a long way back. I know. When I say Rachel grabs people, clearly I'm not talking in the context of the current climate. Uh, but I, <laughs> I tell you what was interesting for me at the weekend, I uh, went for my one walk in the town and I the police car went past me as I was uh, walking along with my dog and I saw one police officer uh, they drove very slowly one police officer uh, looking at me and the other police officer writing notes and I, <gasps> I think what was happening was um, that they were kind of making sure they hadn't seen me already that day I think that was oh. that was what it was or uh, my uh, bank robbery may have finally caught up with me. Oh I don't know, God. one or the other. It was a swag bag over your shoulder that gave it away. That's, That's so interesting, isn't it? Just, I mean, often as youth workers, we talk about um, how, how do you help young people uh, step into behavioural change? If they're engaging in high-risk behaviour or um, not realising that the behaviour their peers are doing, they have a choice, they have auto- autonomy, they can choose whether to go along with that or not. And yeah, it feels like we're like the greatest sort of social experiment the world has ever seen. And I, and I yesterday was struck when I walked out with my children. It just although in in part of Preston we're in is probably more monocultural than I've ever been used to in my life. I'm much more used to living in an ethnically diverse community, and I miss it actually. But but even walking around here, different ages, different demographics, different social backgrounds, different you know clothing and how we express ourselves. Everybody, everybody was abiding by the social distancing it wasn't one particular group were doing it um, and we're kind of policing it we were all doing it and it was just staggering to me like this is extraordinary thing to witness that we can that we can all get enough fear to to do something and it it is interesting isn't it because as youth workers we never want to provoke behavioural change through fear. And yet, currently, <laughs> this experiment is telling us, oh, my day's fear is a massive motivator. It's yeah. a huge motivator. Um, so it's just, it's just really interesting, isn't it? Um, just, just sort of witnessing that and thinking, what is it that we're learning about the human psyche and, and yeah. how powerful that, that, Christ, that Christ works through love. You know, actually, love is greater still. Even though we're seeing a great experiment motivated actually by our national fear, our global fear, yet we are still told that perfect love dries up fear. So love is still mightier than this. And I think that's extraordinary. Oh, so the beginning of week three and the beginning of the week where we don't have the routine of schoolwork being emailed to us if we have children who are school age. Mm. Um, and also the week, Martin, where it's suddenly become apparent, although some people have experienced it since the 1st of April, that being furloughed is a thing. And a number yeah. of youth workers are experiencing this, aren't they? I love the fact that we're all using the word furlough like we knew that word two weeks ago. None of us had ever heard it. I mean, I, I had never, apparently it's an obscure 
term taken from missionaries. It's actually missionaries. Yes, it's a mission. Yeah, yeah, I know, were, the, I know the word. Yeah. Who were furloughed. Oh, you yeah. know the word, do you? I know the word. Oh, you I, already knew the word. I, yeah. Well, I am new. I'm, I'm on the in. I'm on yeah. the in. All right. Fine. Hey, that made me feel smug. <laughs> yeah, there's a first time for everything. So, um, so, so. For the rest of us, we'd never really heard the word furlough uh, before. And of course, the Chancellor Rishi Shunak, uh, he, he announced this scheme a few weeks ago, um, really to try to save large scale unemployment or to stop that from happening. Um, and so, uh, so the simple version of it is that many organisations, including charities and churches, are able to apply to a scheme from the government where the government will pay 80% of a worker's wages um, up to a cap of about two and a half thousand pounds. So I assume all youth workers listening are thinking, yeah, no problems there. And, um, and then the only stipulation then is that that person can't do any work. Uh, so the government pays 80% of the salary. And then actually the organization can choose to top up the other 20%. So someone is effectively on full pay. Um, but either way, you're not allowed to do anything. That's the only thing is you're not allowed to do any work for the organization that you work for. You can volunteer for somebody else. So there's already some people finding creative ways around that, doing volunteering exchanges, all sorts of things like that. But yeah, so in, in, in all sorts of industries, all sorts of sectors, people are being placed on this weird missionary phrase, furlough, um, and they are finding themselves at home um, and pro possibly, although they're being, you know, still being paid up to full pay, they are, um, they're being told the one thing that they can't do is possibly the one thing that was keeping them busy and sane, which is carry on with their job in some way. And we've now begun to hear this um, just in the last few days happening uh, increasingly in the Christian organization sector and also uh, in churches. So, Rach, I think you've caught up with a couple of people who have been placed on furlough, haven't you? I have because I, I, I'm not on furlough and um, I know some years ago have been going through this journey a bit and I just thought actually I'd, I'd like to hear from a couple of people who they've been put on furlough recently to see just, just what that means to them rather than me kind of chat on about what I think it might be. So um, firstly Josh then, Josh and this is a really interesting one Martin because um, a number of youth workers of course we do a lot of schools work and maybe if we work for a small Christian charity a local charity or our church kind of we, we can kind of source funding from doing schools ministry the moment schools are, are closed for the the foreseeable future and that suddenly makes things very challenging doesn't it so that's yeah. josh's experience interestingly he, he i mean he does a really interesting perspective he says um that actually as a team we're used to changing projects and covering each other and generally working in different places with different young people so he his kind of perspective is actually as youth workers are often really well placed to adjust quite rapidly to shifting work and shifting work patterns um, and he's been really creative with it he um he's realizing that although he can't be contacted young people through his current employment actually he has been a youth worker in a previous church and, and through part you know sort of working with that church he's been able to make contacts with those young people and just support them online which i thought was a really mm. clever way of like seeing yourself redeployed he's not able to do youth ministry as he was and with those young people but he's still reaching out and doing some youth ministry under a different as a volunteer which is fine and mm. um, also i think there's another guy that i was chatting to called john 
and he's been on furlough since the 1st of April. And, and he said something fascinating, Martin. He talks quite a bit about why they're, they're on furlough, which I won't go into now, but um, probably very similar to many Christian organisations. But he's saying he's choosing to see it as a time of Sabbath, as extended Sabbath. And so he's reading Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung and John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Harry, which you mentioned, didn't you, last week? I love that book. And just really... Yes, but he's really actually saying, okay, here's an enforced Sabbath, so I'm going to lean into it. He's going to slow down, take time, give up the pressure of pursuing occupation for the sake of appearing busy. And I just, I think he's put his finger on something there. Um, that when I think about if someone said to me, stop what you're doing, I think I would feel both heartbroken that I couldn't contact young people, I couldn't be a support to Beth, our youth minister, and I couldn't do this stuff with you, Martin. But probably also my ego had taken on mighty bashing, and I think I'd mm. find that, you know, very challenging. I love what John says about actually choose to see this as Sabbath. He has three kids, and his wife is a GP, so, you know, it's not like he's going to be sat in his garden sunbathing all the time. There's <laughs> lots happening in his life, you know. He's, he's actually picking up a lot of the parental stuff and being an awesome daddy and all the rest of it. But, um, but irrespective of, of all the additional things, I think choosing to see yeah, Sabbath is is powerful and a good challenge to all of us, don't you think? Yeah, really good challenge. And um, and I think that one of the things that is yet to emerge is how this period in our let's call it what it is history is going to affect our culture, uh, both in in the church and the wider culture um, going forward. Once we're on the other side of COVID nineteen, whenever that is. How will things have changed and, and how many lessons will we have learned about and what kind of lessons will we have learned about the pace at which we've all been living our lives, the need for rest and slowing down. And actually, you know, what a prophet, let's give him his due, John Mark Comer and others have been um, to be talking about this because the world is absolutely crazy busy and it has been for far too long and people have been kind of sounding the the warning uh, bells are about this for, for for a long time um and we've all kind of said yeah yes but you know yes we agree but what do you expect me to stop how do you expect me to slow down and it's taken like total catastrophe like this for um for society to be forced to embrace rest so for goodness sake let's embrace let's find ways of embracing it and not still kicking back and fighting it um and then let's see what lessons we all learn on the other side i I think it could be quite profound to see how the world changes as a result people have said you know the world will never be the same after we've been through this uh this period together so it'll be very interesting with regards to sabbath and rest how people recalibrate Mm -hmm. And and the Queen, oh, I love the Queen. The Queen. Yeah, we both love the Queen. On Sunday, oh, we do. On Sunday night, I was so poignant. She had the photo of her and her sister, you know, nineteen forty, doing effectively a very similar speech at a very similar time of national crisis, mm. um, global crisis. But um, she talks about reflection and meditation and prayer, doesn't she? She talks about using it as a time for that, which we can quickly dismiss and say, well, it's just kind of. 
you know, she just said something that is at least going to offend anybody. You know, she didn't really say anything other than I'm here with you. But I thought, actually, there's somebody that's, you know, she has been a leader for longer than any other leader in our country, I think, possibly. Um, You know, there can't be many adults alive that have led an institution or a business as long as she has. And so she is a living example that if you pace yourself, you know, this is a vocation. She's not, you know, she doesn't become a queen, then she's not a queen on Saturday night, and then she's a queen again on Monday. This is a vocation. And, mm. and probably those words came from a very hard-won space that the way to weather the difficulties um, is, is to have rhythm and rest. I love this. It's a great quote by Lynn um, M. Babb, who's a theologian. He says, the Sabbath helps us know experientially that nothing we do will make God love us more. Um, and, I, and I do wonder, Martin, I mean, one of my concerns at this time of people being into a place of forced reflection and quiet is actually what you know if we what is it that we're left facing and and chris curtis in our youthscape prayer time used a brilliant phrase yesterday he said um maybe this will will fracture people's resistance to god and i thought that's a powerful idea Mm -hmm. because this idea that actually i'm okay jack as long as i have my stuff Mm. as long as i have my income as long as i have my health i'm fine and the moment you have something that fractures that then then maybe then you know more is up for grabs and that's our prayer for young people isn't it that as they are in this this, this forced lockdown and this, this difficult time mm. that actually what the, what it can open up to is experiencing themselves as beloved by god and that's that's an extraordinary opportunity that word again we it's a difficult one to use at this time isn't it but it is that's an extraordinary time for a generation to meet god in a whole new way it maybe is. without us maybe without us as youth workers doing it, steady, <laughs> no steady, assemblies. On. steady on rachel steady, not, sure. Steady. not sure i'm there yet <laughs> but but i don't want to lose no, uh, no, no, no. i don't want to lose this conversation around furlough but um one of the interesting questions for uh, our church actually has been uh, both in terms of our youth ministry and our um, our Sunday services, we are seeing more people on the... We're using YouTube to stream things. I think I've said that a few times on here. We are seeing more people on those streams than we normally see at our at our usual offline activities. And so it could be that mm. people are watching things on multiple devices. Um, but I think there are a number of people lurking. I think there are a number of people who have, have heard and seen what we're doing and are taking this opportunity to just have a peep at what um, Christians do and talk about and think without having to suffer Christian, know-it-all Christians, you know, um, uh, feeling like they've won the argument by getting them across the threshold. And I, I just wonder whether that's quite a profound thing. I wonder whether we are, I'm quite annoying. I'm quite annoying and I wonder whether my neighbours, you know, who, who find me quite annoying and don't want to give me the sense of satisfaction that I might have won the argument or got them into church, will be quite happy to kind of peek around the, 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 the sort of threshold and, and look online mm. at what we do. And, and, and they'll, nev- they'll never be found out. I will never know they looked. And I think this is creating an amazing mm. opportunity this time. Um, there are loads of people who are turning up and checking out online services. I've had uh, conversations with people on social media who aren't Christians but are checking out um, church services. And I, and I think that's really yeah. fascinating. And I don't think we should now try and find a way to harvest that. I think those people yeah. have found their way into our activities and that's fine. And let them, you know, if we are doing safely, if we're making sure we're being safe, mm. Uh, video stuff then let's just keep doing that 
and uh, and just have an eye on the fact that some people might be be watching that who aren't from who aren't necessarily from a Christian background or context. It is quite exciting, I think. It is. And I'm finding that it's really stretching my faith in what the Holy Spirit can do. (laughs) So yesterday, we've got a similar experience. We've got a a young couple that have started coming along to church um, because they... They, they, they come and watch the live service and, and they, we can have a little conversation, you know, off uh, alongside it, a public conversation mm. and people can request prayer and then it goes into kind of a host chat area. And then, so I say, oh yeah, I'll pray with you. And I'm suddenly sat there with my phone and my kids screaming around me in my home thinking there's a couple that I don't know, but they've been coming along for the last couple of Sundays and they want me to pray for something quite significant. Um, mm. Oh Lord, I have to really trust that that that's that you are really powerful and really present because all the things that I would normally use as my cues for that so their body language our the, the space that we create together physically in a space none of that's there so I have to trust that if I'm saying right I'm praying for you now and this is what I'm praying and you know that, that actually God that's God's grace will cover that and he he's you know he's big enough that's what um Ken de Creasy Dean was chatting about, wasn't she? That actually the Holy Spirit is not flummoxed by this. No. Um, it's really interesting. I guess um, I, I'm going to share you. I occasionally share little things that annoy me, don't I? Can I share? Oh, yes, I, please. And then you you see, you have full permission to put me right and help me see another perspective. So the last few Sundays, I felt a little bit irked that every Sunday morning, there's a little flurry of tweets and messages on Facebook that say, um, uh, now remember the best best place for you to be right now is with your local congregations don't go checking out the flash churches now on one hand martin i absolutely agree with that and although i'm part of a church that has the finances to be able to get an online platform um i, I absolutely am committed to my, that they are my local church and i'm committed and i always have been whether it's been a small church or a big church so i'm absolutely yes but also we haven't got new wine on spring harvest the places where often we are encouraged by being in different different environments with people that still love Jesus and just getting fed so what's wrong with people like doing a little bit of I'm going to check in that service at six o'clock I'll check in that one and I'm going to go you know what do you think there is a, gen- a genuine threat is it our egos being bruised what, what what's your take on that let me let me let me mansplain for you Rach um, <laughs> that's what I want <laughs> what what um, I think whenever you have people policing other people on social media, and I do this as well, so mea culpa, there's definitely a bit of ego going on. There's, de- there's definitely a bit of that. So, so that's definitely part of it. I do think that if your church is meeting at a specific time and, mm. and perhaps live streaming an event, um, uh, possibly, I mean, our, our church came from somebody's living room this week. Uh, it was from a different person's yeah. living room the week before. Um, I think there's something really profound and important about the church coming together at that time. And actually, what's really great in our expression of church has been um, on YouTube watching everybody just sign in and and just say, good morning from the Saunders family, good morning from the Smith family, you know. Uh, And you just have this sense of, oh, we're all watching this together. It's like a giant Netflix watch party with Jesus. (laughs) and I, and I think that's really something profound about that. But I don't think there's any harm at all then in, in also going and checking out what some other churches, 
perhaps churches that are from a slightly different tradition, mm. uh, you know, or, or, or ones that might have the, uh, the budget and the ability to do something um, that is a little bit more sit back and watch it rather than participate. Um, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's any harm in any of that. I think that's okay. If you're spending time like getting closer to Jesus in somebody else's ha- online house instead of your own, I think what, what could be wrong with that? The only problem is when it takes you away from the stuff that your church is going. So when I think it's, when I think it's not good is when people are going, oh, do you know, I'm not going to come to this slightly, you know, shambly service that's being live streamed out of the vicar's uh, laptop and, he, and he's not quite sure what he's doing and he keeps like, you know, he keeps going a bit wrong. I'm going to check out of that and I'm going to go and, yeah, go and yeah, yeah. check out this really well-produced church down the road. I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, but as a supplement to, what, what could be the harm? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so good. Thank you, Martin. I, I know it all now, thank you. No, that is really good, isn't it? It's about the loyalty to the local expression of church that we're investing in. One thing that I hadn't realised, and we've not, it would be great to chat to some of our friends who could help us with this, is that we realise as well that um, we have a, a growing deaf community at Preston and it took us a couple of weeks to twig. Of course, of course, how does the deaf community engage with this? And I'm just wondering around our youth provision, as we get ourselves up and going, I guess they're going to be groups of young people around the UK who would love to access more stuff online, but still there's that kind of able-bodied kind of um, discrimination. So that's really interesting, is it, to think how, you know, one of the resources as more things are going online and young people can sneak in and connect in and send a friend to send a link and say, come and check this out. It's making sure that we are, we are really thinking about accessibility, just as we would if it was a, a project at our church, come and get involved, you know, how do we think about accessibility because I think that can really really encourage our young people to invite their friends more content if they know they're going to be well looked after I can invite more of my friends to this so lots to think about yeah loads to think about there and I think in that in that example um it's 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 actually potentially more harmful than than the the, the neutral way that you've just presented it so um actually the uh, additional needs communities mm. have been have been using online platforms oh. for um years mm. and years to meet as church mm. and i don't know how many uh churches or individuals have have actually gone in this time to those people who've been pioneering online to serve the additional needs communities for years and years to ask them any advice or anything at all about how to, it's like it's been happening and now we've all suddenly been propelled by crisis to have to do a similar thing and we're just not interested in any of the learning. And I, again, I include myself in that apart from a couple of, a couple of tweets reaching out to people. I haven't done very much in that area. Um, But I do think probably more, more positively, there's a lot we can learn from people who've been doing this for a long reason, a long time mm. for reasons of necessity. And they probably could help us to be much more inclusive. Uh, and then also going forward, I wonder whether online gives us an opportunity to be way more accessible uh, and inclusive as our youth ministry is something to think about. That is, that is absolutely brilliant. And we absolutely, about a few days ago last week, we were like, oh my goodness, this was such a blind spot for us. And we didn't realise this. And it took some of our community really challenging us on this. So I think it's good to be open to challenge, isn't it? And to, and to be learning. That is fantastic. Martin, um, so the word furlough then is, in- yeah. is interesting. It's coming back to 
how it, I, I mean, it was used a lot in the 80s. I grew up in a church where we had, we sent lots of missionaries, families or single people overseas and, and they would come home on furlough and that would be their time where they would travel around all the churches that supported them and they kind of raise interest and support and um, for what they were doing and it'd be a time for rest. I mean, they also would generally, in my memory, would be looking completely shell-shocked and culture-shocked because they're spending most of the time, you know, in a completely different community. They come back to the very wealthy West where the church is apathetic and couldn't really care. So you can just imagine, I mean, it's really, it was really tough for them. But I'm just thinking like, what, how could we use furlough and kind of recapture some of that sense? Because our heart, isn't it, is that as church buildings can physically reopen at some point, and as church budgets, and as we can begin to have a visionary approach to church, churches again, not just surviving, you know, we, our heart is to have youth ministry just at the heart of that, that mm. somehow this furloughing is kind of being able to agitate a little bit, raise awareness a little bit, kind of talk about, well, how are you going to be investing in this for the, for the long haul, for the, for the youth worker that's furloughed in the way signed for the church? Yeah, I'll, do, I'll absolutely do this. But you need to know that while I'm doing this, I'm asking God, to invest in dreams and in visions about how he wants to see youth ministry grow and develop in our church. So I'm going to come back fighting. I mean, absolutely. I think nobody, I don't, well, maybe some people actually are really tired and, and this is a blessing to them, but I would think the majority of people yes. don't welcome the, the idea of furlough at the moment. Um, so I don't think those who are placed on furlough are particularly keen on the idea um but but it is a great opportunity and and if and if that is true of you if you have been placed on furlough then it is an amazing opportunity to read to rest to genuinely spend time with god how frustrated would i be with myself if i was placed on furlough and and then at the end of it hadn't spent a whole lot of time in prayer and and with god and in the bible if i if i because it's so easy to do with netflix you can't get through netflix even on furlough you can't complete netflix you know um you'd be so frustrated with yourself so if it does happen to you if you do find yourself in a position where you're you're placed on furlough then for goodness sake like use the time well be intentional about it and i think with all of us like um whether we're on furlough or, or just having to live life in a very different way um i think we need to be more intentional about the way we're doing our everyday lives and i i've found um actually in in recent days um writing myself a little kind of very simple rule of life um and and just making some some hopefully wise decisions about timings of my day when i'm going to start when i'm going to stop what i'm going to do when all that sort of stuff has been really transformational I, i'm going to write something about that in the next couple of days for the youthscape live blog um, but i would encourage you think about how you structure your day and being intentional about what decisions you're making about how you spend your time so for example one of the little rules that i've set for myself during this period of furlough i found myself my brain was flitting off in a a million different directions all the time. I was opening, like literally opening several different emails and typing a bit in each of them. Have you ever done that? It's like crazy behavior, but that's what I was doing. And so I've set myself a rule that I will only do one task at a time. And so it's really hard for me. It requires a lot of willpower, but actually one task at a time. I start at 7.30 in the morning. I take an hour for lunch. I stop at four. I go for a walk with my kids. Like I've got this little rule and structure of life. I think it's really important. So, um, yeah, well, I hope that's help. That's helpful for me. I hope it'll be helpful for others. Um, but don't leave this time to random chance because 
chaotically you will end up um, on Netflix. So uh, it also this week is a really exciting week because in the church's calendar it is Holy Week. Um, I know some families yesterday got like crosses up in the window on Sunday and um, yeah it's an exciting week and I don't know about you Martin it's, it's definitely come around very very quickly. I can't quite believe that Easter is here um, but in the, at Youthscape we've been reflecting a little bit of the last 24 hours over the, the themes of holiness and obviously God is a holy God and we understand that to mean separate he is other and yet this week we are slowly walking towards the cross and what Christ accomplishes on the cross in, in going into death and destroying it from the inside out is that Christ then can free us all of us and walk us out of death into life and it's this extraordinary beating heart of our faith is that the God who is made other comes close and so this week what we're doing is we're putting on the Youthscape live blog on the coronavirus live blog and um, just a daily prayer at six o'clock like a compline each day just to think of, about a different aspect of closeness and how we can be praying for young people around the different aspects of closeness so if you if you jump onto the youthscape website you'll follow the links to the covid and um, life blog and you'll see a little film of me there explaining some of the things that the, the thinking that we've had and then inviting us to pray so you were talking just now about rhythms and so mm. we are just inviting you wonderful friends wonderful tribe you know, do it at any time during the day but it's six o'clock you might want to down tools for two minutes just quickly jump on the live blog just see the prayer that's written there very simply just a couple of ideas and just join with us to pray and and um, pray for young people's closest to god to each other those who are being held close to situations of pain and suffering um, and praying about the pandemic so just pandemic so just through this week monday to friday we're just um, committing young people to god so please do join us and if you don't go on the, on the podcast on the um, live blog but at six o'clock you just remember you might think for two minutes i'm just going to pray for young people i'm just going to join you folks around the country praying for young people right now they will draw close to god and god will draw close to them yeah, that's great, Rachel. And um, uh, I love any opportunity we have to feel like we're coming together as a youth ministry community, as a tribe, as you said. So uh, just for this week, for Holy Week, if you're, if, if you're up for that, it will be great for all of us just to be praying where we are, but somehow through the Holy Spirit all together at the same time uh, for young people. That's a wonderful idea. So uh, check that out. That is uh, youthscape.co.uk slash coronavirus you will find um a whole bunch of resources and signposting and uh new stuff every day uh please do check that out and reflections now from rachel gardner as well um so there's a whole bunch of stuff um do check very that short out. reflections very very short <laughs> very very short reflections but lovely <laughs> reflections and of course this podcast which is at the moment coming out twice a week which is quite a lot it's quite often i li- we literally finish one and then we seem to ring each other up again and say when are we when are we recording the next one so we hope that's helpful just would love a little bit of feedback from you guys if you're listening uh you could drop us an email uh podcast at youthscape.co.uk or get in touch on Twitter or any of the other social media channels. Um, We'd love to know if there's anything you'd love us to be talking about on this podcast. uh, And particularly if there's anyone you'd love us to reach out to and interview um, because loads of people have got time on their hands right now. So we could probably, you know, delve into our little black books. I don't know if you, I don't actually have a little black book. Do you Rachel? 
Um, I have a, I have a Filofax that I had to get new pages for last week because obviously all the bookings that don't exist anymore. And I had a moment of great sadness putting fresh pages in oh. and seeing stretching in front of me. But wow. no, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that, so I have a Filofax. So I haven't got a black book. That feels like a profound place to end. So if you are on furlough or if you're continuing to plow away, as God replaces the pages in your filofax in this season, may you know him close and may your heart not be troubled uh, and may you rest in the eternal hope of Jesus in this Easter time. Yes. Uh, that, was, that was my attempt at doing a Rachel Gardner ending. What did you think? I thought, had you given it a bit more kind of grit in your voice, you'd have had this in tears. That was awesome. And it's good and it's true. And it does come to you, beautiful listeners, with our love, as awkward as sometimes that is. Great. We will see you next time. We hope you're enjoying the Youthscape podcast. It is free and always will be. But if you would like to support us, uh, please visit patreon.com slash youthscape.